0: to bring the Word of God to us this morning. We're in Romans chapter 13, and it says in verse 11, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. You know the time. It's time, it says, to wake up. Um, One of the happy days of my parenting is when I no longer had to wake my kids up. Um, Andrea was the hardest, and since she's not here to defend herself, I thought we could have a little fun with this. Um, She was like the worst and um and what was funny about it is she's the sweetest person you'll ever meet except if you have the assignment you got to get her out of bed that was just that was uh, it like flicked the switch and her whole demeanor changed trying to get her up and about ready for the day um i would do anything i would try singing to her uh that uh, made her scrunch up and put a pillow over her head. That would make most people put a pillow over their head. I would go downstairs and crank up the stereo trying to get aroused. I, I re- resorted, one of my, the best was uh, water. Uh, a little splash didn't seem to do it, so I, I didn't care how much it took. I just it in there. And uh, one day she got so furious with a pillow under both arms, she sat up in bed and goes, <gasps> <laughs> thinking that her morning breath would just take me out. Serves <laughs> you right. Oh, it was a happy day when I said, Honey, from now on, you're going to set your own alarm." Hallelujah. There's probably something inside everyone that resists being awakened. But of all things that the Apostle Paul could have told the church in Rome about what time it is, he says it's time to wake up. Now, if you're a hockey fan, you know that time is important to a hockey game. Uh, every player on the rink keeps track of, of the, the, the time remaining. And if you're in the uh, penalty box, you don't want to spend one minute more there than you need to, and so you're going to keep your eye on the clock to see what time it is. In, in the NBA, running the floor, the, the point guard has to keep his eye on the shot clock because a fraction of a second too late, and even if it's a swish, it, it doesn't count. And in the uh, football, uh, you know this, but the, most of the points are scored in the last two minutes of, of both halves. In the last minute, especially if you're the New England Patriots, it's like, man, can you go to town on scoring points? But time. But the word here for time, you know the time. And it's really an affirmation. It's not like know the time. It's you know the time. The word used here is not the, 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 the word that we normally use. What, what time is it? The Greek language has two words for the single English word time. There's the word chronos, which is the chronology of things, or, or you look at your chronometer. Now, none of us call it. We call it a watch. But it's the same word. That's, that's the particular, specific time. But that's not the word that's used here in Romans thirteen eleven. The word used here is the word kairos. It means the season. It's like... Um, uh, it's like when, when a parent says to a kid, um, I think it's, it's that time where you really ought to move out of the house and get your own apartment. That's not like a, a, a day. It's not like the day you were born, a particular moment, but it's the season. It, it's time for this to happen. Um, or or the, the, the young woman says to the young man that she's had eyes for, you know, we've been dating for eight years now. I think it's time for us to get married. I think we need to pick a date. Well, I think it's time to get married. That's kairos, that's, like, it's about time. We need to pick a date, that's chronos. But when it comes to this kairos, Paul says, you know the time, and particularly That the hour has come to wake up. What are we waking up for? Well, these verses go on and explain specifically what the call is to wake up from. It's to, to wake up is to leave the sleep of a twisted self destructive lifestyle of bad choices that are based on selfishness, and pride, and greed, and the rest of it, and to actually experience a change, not just the behavior, but internally. It's time to wake up being, it's time for us as followers of Jesus Christ to no longer seek to satisfy the same desires we had when we were first born again, it's time to now allow Christ to give us new desires, to change our want to, to change our motivation. And so he goes on here. Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality. That's talking about lifestyle issues. That waking up means to wake up morally and to start living differently and changing our behavior. But then it goes even deeper than that, down to our desires. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There's the word, desires. That, that when we follow Christ long enough, we come to the point where it, it's time for us to allow him to change our inner disposition, our desires, our motivations. And he's fully capable and ready and prepared to change us that way. And that's what it means to wake up. In 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 simple terms, to wake up is to go from being unaware of what God is up to around us to now waking up and becoming conscious of what's going on around us. I was on a beach not too long ago, and I fell asleep under my little shade tent. It's cheesy, but it's a necessity. Uh, so I, I was there, and, and, and I didn't realize it, but the tide had come in. The, the, the equation of where I was on the beach changed while I was sleeping. And uh, it, I wasn't in danger, you know. I wasn't about to be swept out to sea or anything like that. But, but the whole thing, I, I noticed people were walking by, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sleeping, but why are they walking so close? There's like 20 feet between me and, and the water. Well, there wasn't 20 feet between me and the water. It had changed while I was sleeping. I was unaware of what was going on around me, but then I woke up, and, and whew, it has changed. God my friend God is at work he's at work here in Atlanta he is at work right down the middle of your life now today is our 47th birthday as a church and um, this means that we got three years till our golden anniversary well, what makes that interesting, okay, three years, is our church has a three-year cycle. Uh, we, we For a year, we emphasize our loving God. For a year, we emphasize loving each other. For a year, we emphasize loving the lost. And so even as a church, for 12, 15 years now, we've been in this three-year cycle, so, so uh, three years and three years and then you think jesus ministered for how long three three years years. i mean he was perfect everything he did was perfect it is absolutely no coincidence that jesus ministered for three years and i've been challenged recently by that having been here a fairly uh, lengthy tenure as lead pastor of littleburn alliance church But the Lord's been challenging me, Fred. Don't just think you're going to be here forever. Consider this a three-year re-up. And what, what what are you going to see God do over the next three years? I want to talk with us about that this morning. Because our text just happens to be you know what time it is. It's time to wake up. So rather than avoiding the obvious, let's tackle what's right in front of us. Now, Romans chapter 13 has three sections. The first section is be in alignment. The first seven verses talk about our alignment under constituted authority of those who have the rule over us this these verses talk particularly about the government now commentators and historians are divided on whether agrippa was king over the roman empire when paul wrote this or nero in either case these guys were not great role models our worst president is, is is better than Nero. The worst president we've ever had. So what this is saying is, as followers of Jesus Christ, no matter where you are living, under whatever government you're living under, there is an honor due to the office that every believer ought to be acknowledging. It's a matter of alignment. Be in alignment. It does you no good to curse your president or his administration. It doesn't mean you can't speak adversely. It doesn't mean you can't criticize. It doesn't mean prophetically there's no voice for the church to speak out and confront issues that are, that are plain and, and ought to be confronted. But when it comes to the position you, you can't get away from these verses. It says, give honor to where honor is due. If it's dishonorable, we can call it out. But the position, we need to be in proper alignment, or we lose our standing and influence in our nation. Be in alignment. Amen. The second is be in love. The second paragraph begins with verse 8 through verse 10 owe no one anything except to love each other. Now here we are on the first homecoming in 21 years where we have owed no one anything. We're out of debt, people. And being out of debt is a great day to preach uh, this scripture uh, from Romans. Thank God we, we owe no one anything except that we love one another. And the next verses, verse eight nine, verse ten, really clinch it. Verse 10 love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Be in alignment, be in love, and then the final is be on time. And the two parts of being on time, one is it's wake-up time for the church to wake up to what god is doing in our day but it goes on and the second part of verse 11 says for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed yeah. so w- w- what it's saying is wake up time is salvation time in fact two Two books later in the New Testament, you come to 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 2, says today is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. And it's saying the same thing here in Romans chapter 13. For salvation is nearer today now than it's ever been, or since we first believed. Now, what did Paul mean by that? Well, there's there's several things that that he could have meant, and I think the correct answer is all of the above. So salvation now is nearer than when you first believed, he's saying. This is probably 20 or 30 years after Pentecost. So um, in other words, the, the, the longest believer who's had salvation has had it for 30 years. So when he says salvation is now nearer than when you first believed, it could mean that the return of Christ is that much closer to to reality than when we first came and put our faith in Christ. It could also mean we are that much closer to heaven and entering into the fullness of our salvation. And that could be another reason. Another uh, value, an insight into what it means. You were closer to our salvation. Well, it's probably both. From the day you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, the return of Christ is closer. And our own coming to uh, heaven is closer than when I first got saved. I, got, I met Christ when I was 13, and... Um, I'm not 13 anymore, so I'm closer to heaven than when I first put my faith in Christ. Yes. And you are too, whatever age you are. But what it's also saying is, this time in all of history is now time for salvation to take place. This is the time for us to share the good news of Christ with the nations Amen. with our neighbor the one across the street who speaks a different language eats food that's different than ours now is the time you know of all things this is the week of 9-11 and um, I, I'm always inspired to read uh, the impact of 9-11. It seemed to me that more was done this year than I remember in many years to remember. The one family that hit me was the Stantons. Christina and Brian both worked in New York City. Um, In fact, they were at home on the 25th floor of their apartment building um, when the first plane struck the first building of the Trade Center. They went out on the balcony to look at the incredulous sight of smoke billowing out of the building just a quarter mile from their apartment. And while they were out there, seeming as if it came out of nowhere, the second jet, flew past their building within 130 yards of where they were standing. They were blown on their backs. They were deaf for weeks, temporary um, inability to hear anything from the, the sound. Now, obviously, a traumatic, shaking moment And then to realize that that plane uh, wasn't just doing a a flyby. That that plane was a weapon targeting the unthinkable. So what are they going to do? Christina had been working as a tour guide in the city and was a good one. She thought, tour guide to the city? When this kind of stuff is going on, surely there's, there's, there's more to the meaning of life and to uh, God's purpose in my life. It was literally a wake-up for her. She resigned her position. She began volunteering at the church. And now for about 10 years or longer, she's been the missions pastor of her church. Her husband... Brian was a financial investor on Wall Street. A few months later, he resigned. And he began volunteering at the church. And today, he's the CFO of a thriving church in New York City. What happened? They woke up, and they began investing themselves, knowing what time it was, That the time is short and to make the most of every opportunity by sharing Christ with others. Lilburn Alliance Church, I say to us today, it's time to wake up and it's time to get about the business of sharing the gospel with those around us. It's wake up time, it's salvation time. When you look at this holistically, to say that it's wake-up time is obviously a call to the church. Church, wake up. Wake up to what God is doing today. What he's doing in you, what he's doing around you. Let go, it's time for some of us to change clothes. Some of us, as it were, we're, are living in nightclothes. It's time to get dressed for the day. It's time to, to arm ourselves with our calling. I was talking with a school teacher yesterday, and I was so encouraged. To hear all that this woman does for her students in greeting. She says, God gave me the personal goal that every student I come in touch with knows that they have an eternal soul and they are of infinite worth and all the bullying that they put up with elsewhere. I want to be the antidote. I want to be part of eliminating any... Uh, violence in my school and any uh, bullying in my school and any suicides in my school. And I said to her, with utmost respect, I said, praise God, you own your calling as much as I do. Whatever it is that God's given you to do, If you are in the workplace, don't be in the workplace asleep to your calling. Wake up to every opportunity. Why does God have you there? It is not just to bring home a paycheck, to pay the bills, to get insurance for your your kids and your family, and to get a new car every few years, and, and whatever else goes into why you do what you do. It has to be more than that. And I call you today, wake up! You know what time it is. So the call of Romans chapter 13 is for the church to wake up. It's wake up time, church. And for those outside the church, it's salvation time. And that's the summary of what time it is. In one way or another, everything that that we are about is about waking up the church and reaching the final lost on earth. It all comes under. Wake up time, salvation time. That's why we went to 3,000 homes In fact, it turned out to be 3,300 and some. Praise God. That's why we shared the gospel with over 1,100 families. And that's why we are now following up on almost 500 of those families over the next three months. Because it's wake-up time and it's salvation time. It's what time it is. No, for me, in the next three years, I want to see our community different. I want to see no murders. I want to do what we can as a church to make a difference in this community. One of the closest buildings to our church, to our church campus, the ground that we own here, one of the closest buildings had a meth lab in it, right under our nose. It was a major bust last year. God have mercy. It's right here. Now, we, we can't control what people can do, but, but, but it is our assignment to make a difference in this community. Thank you. On every level. I want to see businesses thrive. I want to see families thrive. It's why we do so much for children. Because the keys to many of these people's hearts is, is the children and the youth. Are you with me, church? It's why we're putting money into an after-school program, and it's why we started last year an All Nations Institute where we are training and providing accredited college degree and master's degree, and a good chunk of the classes are taught right here to bring the price down, to keep the quality of, of excellent education high and graduate students without student loans. It's because of what time it is. What good does a big, fat education do you if you're scrapped with student loans that are keeping you from fulfilling your calling? It does not make sense. And thank God we've been able to do something about that. No, this is what time it is. And by the grace of God, we want to strip down any other ministries that are not bearing fruit and and peacefully let them come to an end. But what does bear fruit is loving God, loving each other. You know, this strong call last week from Romans 12 and here right in the middle of Romans 13 to love one another. It's why we do life groups. We now have 45 healthy life groups. And we have about 12 new life group leaders who are in the pipeline to start new life groups. If you are not in a life group, I I appeal to you, please wake wake up. Don't miss the time. And all of our life groups are missional communities. They're all designed to love each other, to love God, and to love the lost together. Church, it's time to wake up. Let's put our hand to the plow for the next three years. Let's move into our 50th anniversary as a church. By the grace of God, with a lot to show, what took place in the three years leading up to it. On the back table is what we call our recharter. Those of us that were here seven years ago, we signed it, and about 300 signatures are on that already. If you were here then, I want to encourage you this morning to sign what you signed the first time. Just signature, just initial it. If you were not here then, we ask you to join the team. And next to the recharter is a bookmark with a condensed version of it that says, we are a church of the living God, people from over 65 nations of the world meeting in corporate worship and in life groups, house to house. We truly are a house of prayer for all nations. Our purpose is clear. Exalting Christ, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. Our mission is practical. Loving neighbors. Taking seekers into the fullness of Christ. Our influence is broad. Embracing nations. Extending the salvation of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And our legacy is sure. Empowering the next generation, raising up champions. We break step with the status quo and endeavor to live simply, reach broadly, give generously, and love lavishly to the glory of Christ. I want to rid racism out of our community. Can we leave that to our to the next generation can we over these next three years take steps that will contribute to that I want to encourage you we built this service so that you're going to have time to uh, move about as we close but on the back is is uh, the signing of the charter now when it comes to uh, that's our mission when it comes to loving each other, there's so many practical ways that we do this every, every day and all week and, and not only in life groups but in so many ways that we love each other. Uh, women put a, uh, together um, Meals on Wheels for those uh, new moms and, and so many other things. But this morning, as an expression of our love for each other, There are about five basins of water at the front of each side where, if you would like, you can take the hand of someone and say, would you join me? I want to wash your feet this morning. As an expression. It's a demonstration. It's really a prophetic act. And some of the most meaningful may be to someone of a different skin color or someone you don't know that well, and invite them to come to wash their feet as well. Now, the final one, the third station, is right here. Now, you know, the only way it's really possible to live for Jesus is to identify with him in his death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension. And um, by the way, how do you like my new suit? Did you notice my new suit? Suit and all, suit and all. I am thankful that I can wholeheartedly trust Christ, link myself to him, knowing that my identity is in Christ, my calling is in Christ, my future is in Christ. My past may not be so hot, but my future is looking great because I'm in Christ. And the Lord has showed me this so vividly. Fred, the whole thing of, of dying to self of taking up the cross is not a one-time, it's a daily. Yes. It doesn't mean that we live here. It means we frequent here. Yeah. It means we die to selfishness, greed, racial clumsiness, Amen. insensitivity to each other, passivity, Laziness. All those things that represent sleeping spiritually. Church, it's time to wake up. Nobody ever fell asleep being crucified. Never. This is the headwaters. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there are plenty, there are plenty of sheets. There's plenty of pens. There's plenty of nails and plenty of hammers. For you to come and put your name as a demonstration of your union with Christ. Yes, Lord. Lord, I love you enough to hold nothing back. Amen. And whatever I've got left, I want it to count. Amen. I want to live my time wake-up time, time. and salvation time. time. Amen. Amen. Worship team, would you come, please, at this time? And I apologize for uh, uh, some of the scratchiness in uh, the wire on my microphone. Let's all stand together, please. I want to lead us in prayer. And I want to give us space to move to the different places in, this, in, the, in the room. You can come here to the cross. Write your name. Nail it here. No one else can do that for you. It's your, it's your choice as an evidence of following Christ. Take someone by the hand. Go walk across the room if you need to. Get the person you're after and, and bring them to the front for foot washing. And please, before you leave, I do invite you to log on to the mission and sign the recharter as a new beginning for us in these three years leading up to our 50th anniversary. Father, we feel your call. We feel your love for us. We bask in in the love of the Father for each one of us this morning. And Lord, we want to say to you, we trust you. We trust you enough to to nail our name to a cross, to say, I'm following Jesus. Really nailing our name to the cross is is kind of a reminder of the day that we were baptized, even as Jerry was baptized today. As we sing, let's respond to Christ before we enjoy our meal uh, down in Fellowship Hall in a little bit. Let's respond as is appropriate for you.